you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Living Streams. I'm Pastor Greg. Today we are uh, looking into Proverbs. We're in this series uh, in the book of Proverbs called Wisdom Chasers, and we're going to be chasing some wisdom for our money uh, today. So I don't know, looks like a few holes in the seats. Maybe some people didn't want to have any wisdom for their money, or they were like, I don't, I don't want to hear this. So I'm going to, I'm going to share it because it's in God's Word and it's really could bring a lot of life to your life if you, if you grab hold of these things I got for you today. Ever since I was a kid, I remember there being a war on drugs. Uh, in fact, there's, uh, there was a campaign, I don't know if it's still around, but it was a just say no campaign. You guys remember that? Just say no to drugs because drugs is a huge problem. Uh, in our society, in our in our world, the U.S. spends 600 billion dollars every single year because of substance abuse or, or addiction. And so I, I looked up the five most addictive drugs that there are: is cocaine, heroin, alcohol, nicotine, and methamphetamine. So two of the most addictive drugs are legal. And, and so you can, you know, uh, you can try these things out. But here's what you need to know. Everybody's brain responds differently to these drugs. So one person can, can, uh, can take uh, a drug and it doesn't seem to impact them. But other people, just one hit and it destroys their life. Because they have this then addiction. They can't get enough of the high. And so they just make it all about that. Well, somebody said this. Money is 200 proof. It is the most addictive substance known to man, taken straight or mixed with many lovely things. Uh, Some people out there can have money, and it doesn't seem to impact their life. But other people, they get a taste for money and what it can do, and it destroys their life as they just run after trying to fulfill that desire for the good life. Money is the number one reason people stress about life. The number one reason. It doesn't matter if you have none of it or a bunch of it. It's the number one stressor in in our lives. Money is the number one destroyer of marriages. Money is God's greatest competitor for our love. It can destroy friendships. It can turn bad people into good people. It can distract you from important things in life. With all of these things that I would say not many would argue about money, all of these things, most people think they would be better off with more of this drug in their life. Americans spend $73.5 billion every single year on the lottery. 65% of, of uh, Americans say they would go and spend a year on a deserted island for a million dollars. 58% say they would move to a foreign country that doesn't, that, where you don't speak the language and never come back for the million. 34% say they would change religions. Could a million dollars buy your faith? Money? 
in and of itself is not evil. But the love of money causes all kinds of problems. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So money causes so many problems in our life, but you know what? It's here to stay. It's part of our life. It's something we need to manage. So what do we need? Wisdom for our money. Thankfully, God has given us plenty of it in the book of Proverbs. It has a lot to say on the subject. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts to receive it. Father, we come to you today and we're so thankful to you. We, we, are, uh, we are so privileged to proclaim that God is so good. You are so good to us. And as we uh, go to your word today to to hear about what you've said on the subject of, of money. Uh, we, we want you uh, to have your way in our hearts. We, we, want to, we want to be people that are here today with open hands, with all of the things that you've given us, and put them at your disposal uh, for your glory in this world, Lord. And so as we, as we dive in, Lord, I just pray you would open our hearts uh, to this good word, uh, pray that it would bear fruit in our lives for the kingdom of God that is living in us and going to be grown through us. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So your first piece of wisdom from Proverbs on money is not going to seem like wisdom. It is work for your wealth. Work for your wealth. Proverbs 12:11 says, "Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense." So God has prescribed a way for us to receive wealth or his provision from him. He created it in the garden of Eden. It he he created it before the fall. And so work is good. It was created by God. Um, and then the fall happened and work became hard. Um, and it's still hard today. But, but work is a good thing. Work can make you smarter. Work can make you stronger. Work can polish your character. And it can produce wealth. Still God's preferred, prescribed way to get His provision into our lives through our Work. Now, Proverbs has a lot to say about laziness. All right? Laziness, the sluggards. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Now, laziness is something that starts in the heart. It's an attitude toward, toward work. It's about, an attitude about work. Now, I learned how to work hard uh, in my memory, as I look back, I, I learned two, two places. In the swimming pool on the swim team and in the garden during the summer weeding beans. I like the swimming pool a whole lot better than the garden. Uh, so I'm going to talk about swimming pool. Uh, so, you know, on our swim team, there were guys that would consistently show up late for practice. You know, and, and when they were there, you know, we'd be going along swimming and then they'd be, you know, kind of... St- Staying by the side of the pool, missing sets in the training. They were the ones that consistently complained all the time. The one that got sick the most. 
They just wanted to avoid the pain of training in the pool, and it showed up in the competition when we, when we had swim meets. Laziness today is epidemic among young people. And uh, you can take this from a dad who's got kids who are out there trying to find jobs. They, you know, a couple of them have just found jobs. But what we found out from when, when we heard from employers who they were talking to, we found out a consistent message that employers are saying, nobody wants to work today. Nobody wants to work. They don't, they don't want to work hard for their pay. And so, you know, it's just out there. But here's the deal. Um, it doesn't take a high IQ to beat laziness. It doesn't take a lot of strength. All it takes is a little self-discipline. And not letting yourself be ruled by your feelings. Being able to say no to yourself. Now, you can use anything hard in your life to learn how to work hard. Anything that you really don't want to do, whether it's uh, weeding the beans or uh, becoming a better swimmer, you can use any of that stuff and just turn it into a training exercise to beat laziness in your life. Proverbs 6, 10 to 11 says, A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. When Lori and I first got married, I went into a get-rich-quick phase. You know, I was looking for ways to make money, and I was looking for ways to make it fast. And so that led me to some multi-level marketing opportunities. And I was, you know, I mean, I was a sucker. I mean, you, you, you could see me coming from a mile away. I was just like, you know, I'm ready. This is, this is it. This product or, or that product, whatever it is, I'm all in. What's the investment? Let me run with it. But the thing is about multi-level marketing schemes, it's not really about the product that you're selling. It's about getting other people to sell the product that you're selling. And to get them to sell, you know, the product that we're selling. And so really, you don't really want to be a good salesman, you want to be a good, a good recruiter. And that's how you make money in multi-level marketing, which isn't all that honest if you, if you ask me. I wish that I would have chased after God's wisdom uh, back then, because you know what? I only spent money on multi-level marketing. I never made a dime. Proverbs 13.11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Now that is so important to understand. That gathered little by little, we will increase it. So important. Why is it that God wants us to increase our wealth little by little? Because that's how he changes our hearts, little by little. I remember thinking this, you know, you're going to go, this is our pastor thought this, he's an idiot. Okay, this is what I thought when I graduated from college. I thought, you know, the world's got it backwards. They made me spend all this money, which I didn't spend any, my dad spent it all. But they made me spend all this money for a diploma, and then they give me this diploma, and they expect me to go out and find a job and work hard and make money. But you can't make money without spending money. And I don't have any money to spend, so how am I, I going to make money? What they ought to do is give me a diploma and $100,000. <laughs> then I can make some money. Well, I still believe that it's true that you've got to spend money to make money. But I can tell you this. A 22-year-old me would spend $100,000 a lot differently than a 52-year-old me. Agreed? Yeah, because God changes us little by little. You drop a hundred grand in my life at 22 and it's gone. <laughs> We'd be having some fun, but it'd be gone. Now you can see this, 
You can see this play out in the lives of lottery winners. Okay, go to YouTube and 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 search for lottery winner stories. Okay, I did that this week and I watched this video. It was ten minutes long. Had ten stories of ten lottery winners, and they won between a million dollars and forty million dollars. Nine out of ten of them destroyed their life. I mean, they either ended up back where they were, or or worse, in deeper debt, or had a drug problem, or something like that. Um, one of them committed suicide. Two of them were murdered. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just mind-blowing. You think, you know, you hear about that, like, oh, that's kind of a rumor. You know, you win the lottery, you destroy your life. No, no, 90% chance you're going to ruin your life if you win the lottery. Wow. Wow, I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? The one guy who had the good story, you know what he did with his lottery winnings? He gave it all away. <laughs> he gave it all away. Maybe God isn't holding out on us when we pray for more money. Maybe, maybe God knows what He's doing when He's taking care of us. Maybe He knows what would hurt us. Maybe He knows what would lead us away from Him. Maybe God is protecting us instead of opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out prosperity on our lives. So, work for your wealth. Work for your wealth and be satisfied with what you earn. Trust that God can take care of you better than you can take care of you. Now, that doesn't mean that you cannot be ambitious. It doesn't mean that you should be a, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be a good steward of the brain and the gifts that God has given you. You should do all of that and use it for God's glory so He can pass on provision to you. Do those things. All this means is godliness with contentment is great gain. Like you read about in the Word. And Proverbs 21.5 is real wisdom. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Work for your wealth. Now, when you're... Uh, we, we buy lots of stuff, right? Did you know how many warning labels come on all of our stuff? You know, like, like my, my McDonald's coffee cup. On the side of it, it reads, Caution! Hot! On the top it says, caution, I'm hot. I've never read that before. Because we ignore warning labels on things. Because they're for dumb people. Right? I mean, we're smarter than that. Right? Uh, I checked a Starbucks coffee cup. Also says, caution, contents may be hot. Okay, it's on all the coffee cups. These are the warning labels. Well, you know what? Proverbs has warning labels about money. Uh, there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. But the thing is, we tend to ignore them because they're for dumb people. You know, we think, I'm not going to be the one who, who blows all that money. I'm not going to be the one who, who has money and then destroys my life. I'm going to be the one out of the ten, you know, that doesn't get messed up. Uh, you know, here's, uh, here's something else about your pastor when he was back in the uh, get-rich-quick phase of life. I, I used to play the lottery. Now, I would wait until it got above $10 million. You know, who cares if winning $5 million? What's that going to do? You know, you got to get above $10 million before it's even worth spending $5 on it. And I'd always do the quick pick. You know, give me five. I didn't want to spend any time on it. Here's five bucks. Give me the numbers out of the machine and off I go. All right, so I did that one time. Forgot I bought the ticket. And so it's Sunday morning and I remember, oh, I, I got a lottery ticket. I should check the numbers. So I pulled the paper out. Remember when you used to get the Sunday paper? Yeah, kids, there was a Sunday paper. They brought it to your house every day. It cost money to get it, too. 
so anyway, I pulled the Sunday paper out and I'm looking at this and, and I'm starting to look at the numbers and I got one, I got two, and I had five out of six Hoosier lottery numbers on a $14 million jackpot. And as I look back at my life and I see how my life is gone, I always say about that one number, that was God's good grace to me that I did not win that money. Because it would have destroyed my life. I did not care what was in this book of wisdom. I would not have not heeded these warnings. So heed these warnings. Warning. Money can hinder authentic relationships. Proverbs 19.4 says, Wealth makes many friends. Poverty drives them all away. That doesn't sound like a warning. That sounds like a good thing. Uh, but when you're wealthy, uh, there will be m- many people around you who want to be called your friend, but they really don't, really don't care about you or being around you. What they care about is what you can do for them. And so it makes it difficult when you have wealth to know who your true friends are. There's a, there's a movie called The Ultimate, Ultimate Gift. One of my all-time favorite movies. If you have not seen this movie, run out, buy it. I don't care, go get it. It is an awesome movie. It's about a billionaire who dies and needs to leave his inheritance to someone in his family. But his family's a mess because he's had all this money. He's got a couple sons and they're, you know, just a mess. You know, crooked, greedy. Um, and so he doesn't want to leave. All the, all the grandkids, they're all just a mess. But he's got a soft spot for one named Jason. And he, and he knows that if he leaves his, his billions to his grandson Jason the way he is, it's going to destroy his life. And so he takes him through a series of what he calls gifts before he can receive the inheritance. Things that would change his life. The first gift that he has to receive is called the gift of work. <laughs> Proverbs knows <clears throat> The gift of work. Because Jason had never done a day of work in his life. And so... Uh, he goes down to Texas and, you know, he just wants the money. So he's get, at this point, he's just doing whatever he has to do. So he, he goes down and satisfies, uh, you know, what his grand, grandfather wanted. Comes back and the second gift he was supposed to receive was the gift of money. You think, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. But see, Jason had money his whole life, an abundance of it. There was never any limit to what he could spend, so he didn't appreciate it. So what Grandpa did was he took it all away. He, he took his credit cards away, he repossessed his car, all this stuff his, his company did, the guys that were running this, the grandpa's dead. So, okay. so that's what was going on. So as soon as everything was gone, all of Jason's friends start running away. He can't foot the bill anymore, they start drifting off. And so even the girl that wanted to marry him, and she was at dinner with him one, and, and he pulls out his credit card, and here, here it is, the wait, waitress comes back. And, and he's like, do you have another card? And he's like, what? That's no limit, you know? And so he has to ask his girlfriend if she could pay. And she just starts crying and leaves. And ne- ne- never sees him again. <clears throat> okay, so all the friends are gone. All the money's gone. The third gift he had to receive was make one true friend. Make one true friend. And we all know how hard that is, right? We talked about that two weeks ago. I mean, it's hard for anybody. It's harder for wealthy people. Because... Money can hinder authentic relationships. Warning. Money can create a dangerous living environment. Proverbs 13.8 says, The rich can pay a ransom for their lives, but the poor won't even get threatened. So having money makes you a target for evil people. The kids of wealthy people, they're the ones that are at risk for being kidnapped because mom and dad can pay a ransom. As an American, if you go to a third world country, you are automatically considered wealthy. So when you go out in public, there's always precautions that you take. Uh, You don't take very much with you. 
Because you're looked at as a wealthy person. So that's, that's just because of money. There, the one, there was one lottery sto- uh, story, one lottery winner story, where the man, he won, he won uh, $600,000. And he was supposed to get it, uh, you know, in one lump sum. And, he, and they had a family dinner the night before. And he died that night before he, he could receive uh, his money. And they did an autopsy and found out he was poisoned by cyanide. Somebody in his family killed him. <laughs> money can create a dangerous living environment. It happened in Chicago. The guy was an Indian, actually. Um, so it's, it's real. Listen to the warning. Warning! Money can distract from the important things of life. Proverbs 22.1 says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. And Proverbs 16.16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight, rather than silver. So over and over in Proverbs, you can read about this comparison. You know, it's better to have wisdom. Here, good reputation, wisdom, than it is to get gold and silver. Over and over and over. That's the constant comparison in Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Why is that? Because it's the default that everybody thinks we're better off with gold and silver. And he's saying, no, no, no. This distracts us from more important things in our life. Things that really matter. Now, this is very simple. It's very simple to to prove this out in your life. Okay, this week, go buy some stock. All right. Better yet, go buy a penny stock. That means a, a stock that doesn't cost very much. So you can buy a lot of shares for a little amount of money, and it will create a big potential for a big payoff. Okay, here's, here's a stock for you. Buy a thousand shares of Aerotech. Alright? Aerotech is a company that is using drones and virtual reality technology to help out security companies and the military. Sounds like a pretty good company here. Alright? It's trading just below three dollars. Alright? Just below three bucks. So you can get a thousand shares for like under three thousand dollars. But listen, if you would have bought it two months ago, it was a buck seventy-five. So you could almost double your money in two months if you'd have bought this in July. This sounds like a good deal. So what would happen? What would happen if tomorrow morning you got on online and you got on your uh, online trading account and you bought a thousand shares of Aerotech? What would happen? You'd be checking that stock price three, four times a day, wouldn't you? You'd be setting your phone up to send you messages if the stock price starts to go up or down. Is something good or bad going to happen? What would happen? It's going to distract you from things that are more important. What's more important? Your work is more important. Your marriage and your kids are more important. Unbelievers in your life, your unsafe friends are more important. Your walk with Jesus is more important. Your prayer life is more important. There are so many things that are more important than money in your life. And money just can distract us away from all of those important things. Warning. Money can lead to a false sense of security. Proverbs 11.28 says, Trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. Proverbs 18.11 says, The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. And I think this is one, this is one that we don't really pay attention to, you know. We, we can read about celebrities who, you know, just wasted their money or they spent it on things that were bad investments or, or whatever. Did you know Michael Jackson, when he died, he was in debt? He, he, he didn't have any money when he died. 
And this is kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? I mean, the king of pop, wow. So I didn't, I didn't remember that. <clears throat> so the hard part about this is, um, the hard part about this is, is we've got all this wisdom coming from Proverbs that's going to tell us to be wise with our money. Okay, to, to be wise with it, to, to, to uh, spend it wisely, to save it wisely, to invest it wisely. There's all of this wisdom. And at the same time, we've got this wisdom to not trust in it to keep us out of trouble, to make us safe. Because, see, money can't do everything. Money cannot buy you happiness. Money cannot keep you alive Money cannot keep you from getting sick. Money cannot keep you safe. Money cannot give you peace. And many more things that money cannot do. But even though we know all this, no one would argue with me on this. People with no money, people with lots of money, no one's going to argue with me on that. But even even though we know that, we still feel more safe and secure when we have an emergency fund in the bank. I say build your emergency fund. I'm not going to go against financial peace. You know, build it, build it. It's wise to build it, but don't trust it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, even your financial ways, and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Warning, money can lead to a false sense of superiority. Proverbs 22.2 says, The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. So when we're doing pretty well for ourselves, we can start feeling pretty good about ourselves. We can start thinking, you know what? Uh, my, my, my car is pretty nice, a lot nicer than all the other people who drove to church today. Um, my zip code's better. My house is better. My education's better. My vacation's better. Just look on Facebook. I mean, you can see all these things. I'm better. I'm better. I'm better. I'm better. And all these other people, they're down here. Money can cause us to think that way. But this is telling us, no, no, the Lord made us all. This is level ground in here. This is the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. No one is more important than anyone else. You know, we respect everyone because we're all made in God's image. So let Proverbs remind you of that. And here's the last one warning. Money can cause a loss of appetite. Proverbs twenty one seventeen says, Those who love pleasure become poor, and those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. Now, of all of these warnings, I, I beg you, church, to listen to this one. Heed this warning. Now, it's true, you can find lottery winners who got all this money and they just spent it all because they loved pleasure and they bought luxurious things and they ended up back where they started. But what that tells you is that the appetite that they had could not be satisfied. They just kept trying to feed it and they couldn't satisfy it. That's not a loss of appetite. I'm talking about a loss of appetite. And so when you read this warning with a spiritual view of it, then then it gets to what I'm talking about. Listen to it again. Those who love pleasure become spiritually poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be spiritually rich. And see, what happens is when we have the financial ability to 
feed ourselves the pleasures of this world. The food, the fun, the entertainment, the adventure. When we don't have any boundaries on that, we end up feeding ourselves, gorging ourselves on the feast of the world, and we've got no appetite for the things of God. No appetite. I learned this lesson on a cruise. I won this cruise with Lori. We went on it 20 years ago. Seven-day, seven-night Caribbean cruise. It uh, cost us $400, including plane tickets, to go on this cruise. It was an incredible week. Um, it was a week that we had no needs. Not one need came up. You know, every day there was something fun to do. Three times a day there was a feast I could sit down at. Every night there was great entertainment. The next day was going to be a new adventure, things we hadn't experienced before. It was great. I, was, I think I was three years old in the Lord. And I, brought, I packed my Bible uh, to take on the cruise. But you know, I never opened it one time. Because I didn't need God. Because I had no needs. And I did not realize it. I didn't realize it. I'm, I'm being lulled to sleep in the lap of luxury. And it was when I went home and I unpacked my suitcase and I saw my Bible in there and it hit me. I didn't seek God one time on the cruise. Now I'll tell you what. This is why the American church is failing to make a difference in our country. This right here. This is why we have no hunger for God. No hunger. We have no appetite for soul food because we're gorging ourselves on the junk food of the world. We've got no hunger for prayer. We've got no conviction to seek the Lord with fasting. We don't have any idea what it means when Jesus says that He has food, which is what we know nothing about, which is to do the will of our Heavenly Father. We don't know what that means because we've got no taste for the Word of God or for the work of God. No taste. And all you have to do, all you have to do to know that I'm speaking truth to you is go to some place in the world where money is scarce and you'll see what I'm talking about. I got a picture to show you. This is a lady that was in one of the villages in India that we were at um, this past January. And we were, I think, three, four hours late to this meeting. And this room was full of workers. They work in the field 12 hours a day. And that's how they survive. We walk into this meeting four hours late, and they're praising God like it's the first 30 minutes. We get up to the front, and I turn around, and I see this woman. And tears are streaming down her face, and she's got her arms out, and she's clapping like nobody else is clapping. And I thought to myself, she's the one that ought to be preaching, not me. She's the one. Because I think if we're truthful, most of us would say that we are blessed that we don't live in rural India and have to work 12 hours a day with an aching body to survive. Most of us would say that God has blessed us because of where we live. But you know something? Those people got something we don't have. They've got a living faith there and a hunger for God. They have a living hope there. And they cling to the words of Jesus because it means life to them. They cling to these words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, from the eyes of heaven, they're the blessed ones. Not us. We're just asleep in the lap of luxury. So, what can we do? Most of us did not move here to live. Most of us were born here. God put us here. This is where we live. This is our country. Great country that it is. Greatest country on the face of the planet, I believe. But what can we do to wake up? What can we do? Well, we can start by applying God's wisdom to our wealth. Start heeding these warnings. When friends see many in your life because of what you've got, you don't know if it's because of what you've got, be cautious with them. You just keep being faithful, truthful, and helpful in their lives and trust God for the friendships. When life seems dangerous, take some precautions. I mean, I really kind of think this. Whatever you put on Facebook, you're communicating to the world about your life. Your new car, whatever, house. What are you presenting to the world about your, the status of your financial well-being? Maybe you should be a little cautious about that. Have you been distracted? Distracted from things that are really important. There's only two things that are eternal. The word of God and the souls of men. Only two. How could you reprioritize your life to be about those things? The important things. Everything else is going to burn. Now, that one may hurt trying to do that. But it will lead to life in your life. When you're feeling safe because of the financial stronghold that you've built up around you, maybe it's time to give some of that away so that you're not trusting in that so much. Give it away. When you're feeling a little higher than others, maybe you ought to spend some time with those when you realize that you both made in the image of God and respect those. When you have no appetite for spiritual things, man, this is so hard. This is so hard. Not many of us can't go out to lunch today because we don't have the money. When we have the ability, you know, Paul says, let's see if I can remember this, everything is lawful for me, but not everything is beneficial. Thank you, Raymond. Everything is lawful for me. I can do it all. But it's not all beneficial for my spiritual life. So what we can do 
since we don't have to discipline ourselves, because our money is not disciplining us, we have to discipline ourselves. And so we deny ourselves things. We say no to the things of the world so we can make some room for the spiritual things in our life. This is where fasting comes in. You know, just stop eating and say, I'm going to live on the Spirit today. And every time you feel that hunger, you pray that God would meet your hunger for Him, that He'd increase that hunger. It will change your life if you do that. Many other things. I, I heard one uh, just on the radio this week, or maybe it was a book. It, it's, a, it's a challenge to not buy anything new for an entire year. <laughs> what in the world would Amazon do if we did that? I don't know. All I know is, I, I know that we can't change where we live. This is where we live. But the warnings are there for a reason. People without wealth don't have to heed these warnings. People with wealth are the ones that need to heed them. We cannot live in this country any longer and just think, I don't need to worry about these warnings because I'm not going to be the one. I'm not going to be the one. Heed the warnings and walk wisely with this money in your life. Now, Proverbs also gives us some wisdom about worship, worshiping with your wealth. You see, if you will worship with your wealth, you will avoid much of the pain of the warnings and you will know the joy of living with your treasure in heaven and your heart awake to God. There's three ways to worship with your wealth. Honor the Lord, fear the Lord, and trust the Lord. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. See, God is the source of all wealth. It's all His. The cattle, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all His. He's the source of all of it. He owns it, and He provides it to us to manage as we walk this earth. He created everything in the garden that we use to create wealth. He created it. He created us. He made you the way you are. The gifts you have, the brain you have, the strength you have, all of those things that you use to create wealth in your life. He is the one where it came from. And so what we want to do is honor the one that gave it to us. And we do that by giving some of it back to Him. In the church, we know of that as a tithe. A 10% off the top gross income here you go, God. This is where you start as a follower of Jesus Christ who's living on the grace of God. This is where you start to honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, a lot of people think that's where you finish. But that's just Old Testament kind of giving. We're in the New Testament where it says grow in the grace of giving. There is no ceiling to your giving. So if you can't start at 10%, you want to take a step to get there. I don't know what... what uh, Dave Ramsey tells you in financial peace, like what those steps are. I don't know all of them. Get an emergency fund, all that kind of thing. But I would say step one is start giving to God. Start honoring God. If you want to get out of debt on your own, fine. Don't honor God. If you want His help, honor Him. And He'll get you out of debt quicker than you can get out of debt on your own. We walk by faith and not by sight. We honor the Lord with our Wealth. So start there. Proverbs 3 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. And when you do, when you do that, everything changes about your money. The way you 
the way it comes in and the way it goes out. Everything changes when you begin to honor the Lord with your wealth. <clears throat> so it, it, we also want to... Uh, I'm lost. <laughs> honor the Lord with your wealth. Okay, move on. Fear the Lord with your wealth. We do that by obeying what he's told us. Obeying what he's told us. You know, when you look at all the Proverbs, if you bring them together in a list about money, there is this big message that comes out. And that message is that God has placed the responsibility on the wealthy to take care of the needy. God has placed on the wealthy the responsibility to take care of the needy. And, you know, living here, we think, well, we pay taxes, you know. Government does all this stuff for for the needy, and that's good. But this is a personal responsibility. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. So the wealthy taking care of the needy is the way that God provides for them. That was the way he has prescribed. And when we own this responsibility to do this, to follow what God has said, uh, we not only do a little good in someone's life, but we also show him where our heart is. That we fear him. That we believe what he says. You know, God's people ought to be the most generous people on the planet. Because we're supposed to be living with open hands and being rivers of generosity uh, to other people for God's glory while we're just passing through here. So fear the Lord with your wealth. Trust the Lord with your wealth by believing that what He said about money is true and living your life on that. Walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith means we're going to follow God's financial principles in His Word. There's this financial principle in God's Word called sowing and reaping. And it means if we, if whatever you, a man sows... He's, that's what he's going to reap in his life. And so if you sow generosity, you're going to reap generosity. That's a, a financial principle that God has, has written for us. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And he, the Lord, will repay him for his deed. And if you think about that, when you lend to someone who doesn't have any money, you don't expect anything back from them. So what do we normally do? We don't lend to them. But if we lend to it and we're trusting God to, to take, take care of us, then we're more generous because He's got it. This is why we don't sell clothes. One of the reasons why we don't sell clothes at the Jubilee sale. You know, we, we have this big sale. We advertise deeply discounted prices. We don't need to sell clothes because God's taking care of us. All we need to do is give it away in Jesus' name and say that's how He loves us. When people come here and they need help and we give help, we don't ask them to pay us anything. We don't ask for rent for the building. We don't ask for anything. We can give it away for free because we're trusting the Lord to take care of us. That's how we want to live our lives. Sowing generosity so God will reap reap it on us. So we want to worship uh, with our wealth. Honor Him. Honor Him, fear Him, and trust Him. I, I can promise you, He will not let you down. God will not let you down. Right, Pastor? (laughs) Let's have our worship team come back up.
You know, there is just one prayer in the whole book of Proverbs. Just one. And I would say it's the least prayed prayer in the Bible. And guess what it has to do with? Wealth. If you're, if you're still practicing your wisdom habit of reading a proverb a day, you'll read this prayer tomorrow sometime during the day. And we're gonna, we're gonna pray it together as we, as we wrap up our worship service. Because to pray this prayer from your heart means you're gonna have to surrender to God. You're gonna have to surrender all the things He's given you to His care. Surrender what you think you mean, what you think the American dream is. Surrender what you think success looks like. You need to give all that to God to pray this prayer and to mean it. But when you do it, you'll be putting yourself in a position to live wisely with your money. So let's stand. It's a short prayer. I'm going to put it on the screen. We'll pray it together and I'll just finish it up. So let's pray. Oh God. Is it not in there, Justin? Hmm. All right, let me pray it for you. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. And second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Lord, we pray these words would be words that we can offer to you today from our hearts. That they would become a thread in the tapestry of our daily life. Weave something beautiful in our hearts, Lord. It would sow generosity in our lives to others around us. It would strengthen our faith and our hope and our trust that God is so good and that we can trust you. Help us live, Lord, with open hands and giving hearts to the glory of your name in all the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, Lord, so simple. You've not made it difficult to understand. We thank you. We thank you for your truth. For your wisdom. Yes. We thank you for placing us here in this country. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you bestow on us. Thank you for your provision in our lives. We pray, dear God, for uh, perseverance.
keep working. To keep using our hands and our minds and our gifts for your glory, for our good. To to open up that provision from you. And we listen to these warnings, Lord, and I know they speak to me. I'm sure they've spoken today. Lord, give us that that will to obey, to take the, the step of faith, whatever it might be. Give us that faith to take the step. And we pray, Lord, that you would just grow us as worshipers with our wealth. That we would honor you with our tithes and offerings. That it would be an honor to be honoring you. We pray, Lord, you'd give us the fear of the Lord, the respect of your word to believe that what you say is true. And that you won't ever leave us or forsake us. That um, you will return what we uh, what we give away. You will return to us. Uh, we we pray that we can walk in the principles of your word with our money. Uh, so grow us, Lord, in our worship. Help us to trust and obey. We pray your Holy Spirit would fill us this day. We pray for those here that are struggling with money. That you would show yourself to be the God who is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. You are good. And we know this. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.